Hello and welcome back to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host Matt Lady. We are here with Bradley Who's who is Who's a chief growth officer at the Outloud group. Uh, they're a leading influencer marketing agency. Brad, thanks for coming on the show. How do people how do we measure influencer marketing the right way? Well, Matt, it's so good to be here. I appreciate you having me on. And and what I would say is if you're trying to do influencer marketing and you don't know how to measure it, stop right now because you're probably not going to be successful. And even if you are, you won't know it. And if you're not trying to measure it, you, you, you don't really want to do a whole lot in influencer marketing. So with that said, let me actually answer your question uh, about how to measure influencer marketing. So I think that the number one thing to know is that it doesn't fit neatly into the bucket of brand or performance because influencer is truly a full funnel activity. So you're going to be hitting on awareness, consideration, and conversion. And it, it depends, you know, get new, it gets nuanced quickly here, right? And people, people don't want to hear that, but you know, depending on what platform you're, you're doing influencer on. But from a high level, when you're, when you're looking at um, you know, awareness, um, you're really looking at what's your efficiency in terms of getting meaningful, healthy eyeballs consuming the content, right? So we're not talking about a hit parade of impressions, but we're talking about meaningful advocacy from someone who people psychologically trust and have opted in to click that follow or subscribe button. By the way, for sure, you should do that for this podcast if you haven't, right? Would you agree with that, Matt? Yes, yes. Please like, subscribe, <laughs> leave a rating, review, all that good stuff. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, p please do that. But you know, you know, I think that's a really important like mental call out is that psychologically people have said, I want to hear what this person has to say. I trust their recommendations. And oh, by the way, I probably have ad blockers on because I hate to be sold to, but I actually care about what this person has to say. So so you're, you're looking at, yeah, what's your efficiency in terms of awareness upper upper funnel, right? So you should have you know, on the denominator, you know, per per unit of cost for all of that, right? But you do want to see that, that and, it's, and it's meaningful. Um, but that, that's only one part of the story. The second part is consideration. And here you're saying, okay, how did I do in terms of getting people from the influencers platform? Let's just pick YouTube and then get them over to my brand's website. What's that efficiency or we call it the click-through rate. And then what's the cost per session, right? So I now have an educated, informed customer on the brand's website. And as a brand, you probably know what the value of that educated, informed customer is on your website. So let's let's give credit to that and try to make sure we're quantifying how efficiently we're getting informed consumers on your website. Because then obviously, you know, we can we can cookie them, we can we can target them, we can retarget them, and, and there's there's a lot of goodness there. And then finally, I think the easiest piece is really around conversion, right? It's pretty straightforward what a consumer is actually paying you. You know, it gets a little bit more challenging in terms of retention rates and add-ons and, and cross-selling over time, but but out of the gates, you're able to tell that. And then the last piece, and I promise I'll stop talking here, is what's the unattributable component to that? Because there's an attributable with influencer. I mean, we've we've heard creators say, hey, go, go to brand.com slash creator name um, to, to check out this new offering. And that's great. And a lot of people follow that. But the TLDR of that is, for, for conversions, only about one in four conversions actually come from people using that vanity URL, even when there's a promo or an incentive on that. So it's really, really important 
for brands to understand that there is a part that you that's not as directly attributable and we can we can nerd out into this get into how you can do that but but there's definitely a an attributable part that's going to show up in your ga and there's part that's going to happen and meaningful and you can figure out what it is but it's not going to show up in your ga from an influencer source so anyways a lot to a lot to unpack there and and i hate to start out with such a long-winded answer but love to nerd out in in measurement it's, it's i think probably the right place to start for any conversation around influencer marketing yes uh really appreciate the overview of how to break down the funnels and the metrics and different stages i love that point about the depends on the platform even TikTok versus instagram versus youtube probably different you're expecting different things so as a brand you said oh, i don't know how to measure it so you said stop so i'm stopping i'm not doing any influencer <laughs> yet brad how do i get started what's the benefit of influencer versus paid ads if i'm a earlier brand what what are my trade-offs what are my options uh why, why who would you recommend start uh, with influencer, yeah, re- really good question. And you know, for for me, you know, all all customers aren't created equal, and I think that's one of the things that brands, especially early on, can can struggle with, is that look, we're we're looking, you know, all dollars are created equal, but all customers are not. And so you you can look in your Shopify or, or whoever you're, you're you're using, and and see what the dollars are. But what you really want to do is figure out who the right customers are and. I feel like in you know, here in 2021, the word customer persona is becoming like a little bit of a dirty word. But but ultimately, I think when you're talking about influencers, like you want to talk about that core customer of yours that really embodies you. And the example that I that I would use is like the North Face, right? Never so, never stop exploring. Well, 98% of their audience is probably people that live in suburban areas and that are a tad overweight and are not ever going to be climbing mountains. But guess what? Like that customer that they're targeting is actually the person that is is a mountain climber in, in, in remote areas. And so all this, all that background to bring to this point, which is go after that creator that really, really is, embodies who you are. And, and there's, there's a ton of value there for an early stage brand because you can get photography and images and feedback in remote locations around the, the world. And you can use that photography then on your website, assuming the creator agrees to it. And that's an important piece to make sure you're, you're totally above board there with, with what, you're, what you're doing. And then it opens the doors for a longer term partnership. I mean, they might be an ambassador on your website. Oh, wow, this is helping you know, SEO, SEM in addition to the, the content. And then you, know, you can continue to advance it in terms of like maybe they contribute content to your, to your website. Maybe they're a guest on a, on a podcast. And then I, one of the things that I think is really emerging and we can get into is influencer paid social, um, you know, whitelisting from Facebook's perspective is kind of a, a bad word now. Um, it's branded content, but you, regardless of whatever you call it, you can have you know, social ads coming from those influencers. So I would start with you know, identifying who is that true you know, customer that we really want to go after and start to have conversations and figure out you know what they think of your product, get some feedback as a starting point. And then just kind of like you're, when your car's stuck in the snow, just start to get a little bit of movement. I wouldn't even worry about exactly what you're gonna do. I wouldn't start with an offer. I'd start with a relationship and, and, and try to you know get some exchange of information back and forth between the brand and, and that core customer. 
So don't ask them to marry you on the first email. Probably not. <laughs> no, probably I mean, not. you know, <laughs> go coffee, a drink, <laughs> may, may, maybe dinner if you want to be really aggressive. But but no, I, I think I think it's great, you know, to 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 be transparent and above board about what you're trying to do. But you know, if you're if you're a reasonably new, you know, uh, e-commerce brand, the reality is you probably don't know exactly what good would look like for this partnership. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fine to, to acknowledge that, but but also to, to say like, hey, but here's one of the things I was thinking maybe we could start with. Yeah, okay. So just get started and start small. Smart with, it's, it's a no brainer, but start with your customer persona as a creator. What, what size, what platforms would I start with? Say I'm a standard, apparel brand that's a lifestyle that is like a certain niche right so maybe even sure. like uh like your your guys's brand maybe even as a point of reference right like where do i get started with i know my target person but what platform what size of followers does it matter talk yeah, about just, a little bit yeah yeah absolutely and, and for context for listeners right so you know like you mentioned the intro uh, we're, we're the out loud group or an influencer agency uh work with a lot of you know mid-size larger brands but we also have a dtc brand which is reasonably early early stage it's muskox and outdoor men's uh, uh, uh apparel brand and so for for us when we're trying to figure out you know, what platform we want to reach out and who we want to do we, we think first about hey our, our product ultimately is a very visual product not all you know e-commerce e brands are visual products but for a clothing and apparel brand like so much of what we're doing is setting the lifestyle and helping to connect the brand with certain imagery and, and really emotional feelings and so we, we think that's you know really easily done um, with with respect to Instagram um, you know don't get me wrong we love video content and trying to get to that but again like going back to the the kiss methodology and, and keeping it keeping it simple right out of the gates like getting photographs and being able to engage with creators that way can can work really really well and you just reach out to, to folks you know our, our, our approach and, and we we know a lot of creators in the space so I'm kind of taking that uh, uh, as, as a separate thing but with the creators that we didn't know that were smaller, you know, we've we've reached out to creators that are, you know, somewhere between five and, and thirty thousand uh, to fifty thousand followers, and introduced our ourselves, you know, d directly and asked if they wanted to stress test some of our some of our gear in, in exchange for sharing some of their their honest feedback and and thoughts, uh, and and that's treated us well because we've gotten some, you know, great thoughts, we've gotten some great content. Um, and and it's it's been good for the the creators to conti to continue to sort of build relationships with a with a growing brand as well, and it's something that I think they're they're excited about, and it's turned into a revenue stream for for a number of them. So I I want to make sure I understand you didn't ask them and tell them that you're going to pay them and you're pitching them on we'll give you all the free product for the rest of your life, nothing like that, right? Yeah, out of, out of the gates. We, we talked to them and, and shared, you know, who we were, what we were doing. And we, were, we, we asked them if they'd be interested in, you know, taking a look at one of our flannels, uh, which, of course, are amazing. Right. And and uh, and, and and being willing to, to post about it in exchange for us sharing the, the flannel. And they did. And then we got to know them. And I've had some you know, we, we have a podcast for Muskox as well. A lot of these folks turned out to be 
guests on on the podcast. Like, Great, here's content as as well. Oh, by the way, blogs about it, right? It's, it's win win win. They get some more exposure. These are these are smaller creators. Once you get to to be bigger, sort of like that sort of notoriety isn't really much of a selling point for for creators. But at a smaller scale, small scale, you know, small brands, small creators, there's synergy there in terms of both being able to to help each other. Uh, uh, help each other out. And so then uh, as these creators have posted this, they've liked the content. We've had additional conversations. They've shared really good photos and imagery with us. And then a lot of times it's evolved into like, hey, like, do you think you might be able to you know, pay me? I, I, I could do a whole bunch more in like this location and that location. And then it's like, yeah, there's there's value to do that. So heck yes, we can. And then they're sort of driving those opportunities to, to us as well. And that's something that can be, exciting and then the final part is it's a small world with these creators in these specific niches and if you ask for help you often get it and so if you ask creators that are woodworkers like hey is there anyone else you think we should you know really be leaning into that's that's also a woodworker it's it's amazing uh, the doors that start to open when when folks have a good experience with you yeah it's not a oh i'm working with this one woodworker creator I can't work with anyone else now. Like a lot of the times, especially early on with these smaller creators, it's not this exclusive deal, exclusive partnership. It's uh, you're dating, <laughs> you're getting to know each other and seeing if it works. And then they take it to the next level and they pitched you on, Oh, I have this great content idea. You're getting an extension of your team. Once you empower them and treat them like a human and not just as a, impressions in like as a, another source for your, your business right yeah ex- exactly and then guess what like they start to tell their 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 friends is, and, and family as well and so you know they're, they're excited to be able to partner with a brand so it's 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 really kind of fun to be able to to grow and uh, grow grow up together sort of as siblings in a family i don't know if that analogy holds water <laughs> but we, we can run with it <laughs> yeah no i like that i like it so we get started, we, we found some creators, we messaged some people, we got some products out, and it's and it's starting to work. And I'm seeing both a lift in traffic, uh, a lift in reviews, and sales, right? Like, we're seeing progress. How do brands then take this initial winning and this initial learnings and scale it? What's the next step? How do you increase the efforts but still try to maintain that quality of relationship that isn't just, I'm going to hire a college intern to just cold dm a bunch of people the same message over and over like or is that the solution i don't know like let's let's chat about that well yeah no it's it's honestly a pretty good solution it, it is a solution <laughs> that we we would recommend at times because you know e- even at the out loud group and we're working with large established brands a lot of times they are still doing product for um for content deals that are very small with very small creators and the reason is largely from a UGC perspective, because people like imagine imagine this, Matt. Creators are creative, and they come up with things that that brands don't, and it's it's very very low cost. And so to continue to do that, I mean, there's a lot of upside for pretty limited cost. Now there there, there is a little bit more risk as you get bigger and having more and more you know um, you know people post about you and so forth. But as a as a small emerging brand, I, I think the risks are are you know muted pretty significantly from from the reward so what, what i would say is yeah you know, for for sure think about what's your bandwidth to continue to reach out and continue to find more woodworkers 
um, for sure, don't be afraid to ask for, for help. Um, I mean, that, uh, in terms of these creators who, who are a fit, who else they might recommend you, you partnering with. And then ultimately, like, what's, what's your bandwidth to continue to, to do this? So I, I would for sure recommend continuing to push as, as, far, as, as far as you can. There, there are platforms that can help with, um, with creator identification. I, I, I'm a little bit skeptical of those because we've run some, you know, some, uh, some analytics in terms of creators that are on those platforms uh, raising their hands a lot. And, and so often they're just doing it to try to ma make a few dollars as opposed to because it's something that they really care about. So, you know, you, you trust, trust your gut on that in terms of whether the creator is really into your, your product or whether they're just really into the idea of getting 500 bucks, bucks for it um, or whatever the dollar amount is. And, and, and then I think, you know, so keep, keep going to the extent that you have the time and, and the energy. And then I think one of the things you can do that really does allow you to scale this once you have three, four, five, six creators is to look to do influencer paid social. So basically you're able to take the content that creators develop for you and then you can, this becomes quantitative, right? Now you take that content and you have different aspect ratios, different starting moments of the, the, the video, different music, different text overlays, whether it's a mashup of five creators or just one creator. And you start to test that on paid social and you test it from your brand account and you also test it from the influencer account. And then you start to really, you know, make, make, some, make some noise potentially with respect to having content drive your paid social. Um, and and that's, a, that's a great way to get leverage from, from creators. And then one of the things that we're doing that I, I think is pretty undervalued right now is trying to identify maybe some, um, some talk radio hosts or radio hosts, maybe you know, slightly different types of, of creators that, that, than, than we think about now in, in 2021, but, but go after those folks because they're less pursued now, but yet a lot of them will have a Facebook account uh, that that can be pretty big because the the demographics uh, align nicely there, and then be able to extend that partnership into influencer paid social when these folks aren't influencers on Instagram or YouTube, but they still might have a, a following on on Facebook, and and so you're sort of zigging when other people are zagging a little bit, and and that's something that I think can be a really interesting angle for influencer as well. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the Facebook and radio host. Oh man. Uh, I, I haven't heard of radio in a minute, but uh, I listen to podcasts and YouTube and all this tech nonsense, uh, all this stuff. So I like that. Um, so when you're run, just a quick, like super nuanced thing, when I'm running paid social through their page, I don't need to create a second ad account, right? I can just run it in my original ad account through their page, right? You got it. Yeah. So, okay. and, and then the, the really one, I mean, sure, you, there's some permissions, which Facebook's continuing to make easier and easier now with the branded content. So kudos to, to Facebook because before the white, the whitelisted was really kind of a backdoor and it's yeah. actually not great for some creators because if, if, you know, some non-scrupulous agency or brand got the rights to run a campaign, then they actually keep those rights by default and, and can kind of do things more broadly. Um, so, so it's, it's a much 
more mature product now. I think Facebook deserves credit for, for cleaning that up. It's, it's very cutting edge um, in, in terms of people being able to use it, but it's, it's, it's an exciting moment. But what, what's neat too is that if you do have a, a paid social account where it's coming from the brand, you can share audiences with respect to what I'm calling influencer paid social. So when it's coming from the influencer's account, like a, a no brainer is to first test how it's doing with respect to the, the creator's audience. But then the second thing is you can test coming from the creators now and push it to the brand's audience that you've developed, or you can you know test the creator's content to a specific interest group, which is essentially a new audience that you're that you're building and, and testing. So there's a lot of there's a lot of value that you can get from this content, and, and it more or less is doubled in strength when you can include it coming from the, the influencer's uh, account. But yeah, great point. And the bonus is you, you don't need to run parallel, you know, ad manager accounts. It's it's all in one account. Yeah, uh, I, I've, <laughs> we, at our agency, we've run into some people like, oh yeah, we have a separate influencer ad account. And I'm just like, mm, don't know if that's super standard. Uh, so good to know that I was personally asking for me too. <laughs> As yeah, like, you I know, think, it might sorry to interrupt you it might have been something where they they did that to try to protect the creators historically because they didn't want everyone in there who had access to their brand account to have access to these creators accounts just to protect the the creator so it could have been coming from from a from a really good spot and also like at the moment when they established the the sop in internally that 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 might have been something that was required but good news is advancements that that's not something you should need to do Cool. Cool. Good to know. So what's the biggest misconception with influencer marketing? Uh, as it stands, we're about, a, as of right now, recording this, we're about a month, five weeks out from Black Friday. Just to give mm-hmm. it context, we, what's still the make, biggest misconception? It's not a new thing. It's not, it's been around for a long time in different variations in different forms. But like in this current form, in this current time, what is a pretty big misconception that you hear from potential clients that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, you see out on Twitterverse, all that stuff. Yeah, well, well, I'll, I'll answer your question directly, but first, like, you're, you're, you're spot on that influencer marketing has been around for a long time. I mean, go, going back to talking about radio again, right, um, which is not something I, I do a ton, but you know, the, the radio DJs used to say, like, yeah, hey, I had this great burger from Max Bar last night. Why don't you go down to Max Bar, you know, the, t- tell the bartender, Jimmy, that, that I, I sent you from WKRT and, and get, yourself, uh, get yourself a burger, right? I mean, that's been happening for a very long time. So influencer is is not is not new to to your point, but but I think one of the things that's a common misconception is that creators need to be exclusively positive when when talking about a, a brand, and, and I think I think and and I do occasionally still get proven wrong on this, but I'm gonna be positive and say I think brands get now that there's a difference between brand voice and brand advocacy, and that creators need to you know, as I like to say, need to be able to do their thing. And, and they're a terrible puppet. They're, they're going to be terrible about brand voice because they don't, they don't know the nuances, the cadence you need to say, the words you use, whatnot. But they don't care. They're going to be really effective as advocates. And so if we let them do, do their thing, it's, it's going to generally be successful. And I think most brands have, 
have gotten to that point where they understand that. Uh, certainly not all, but what, what I would, what I would, what I think like the misconception is the fact that creators can't share any reservations or misgivings uh, about a brand because you know there, there's studies around psychology where if you're trying to sell a used car and you have photos of the scratches and the dings, you actually wind up making more money off the sale of that of that uh, vehicle than if you don't. And the reason is because people trust you and they know they're getting an authentic view of the car in that case. And with, with creators, if, if there's something that they don't like about the product or the service, we need to let them be able to voice that. And yes, we're paying them, but you know, there, it, it, it just allows it to continue to be real. And, and you know, if I have one fear about the future of influencer marketing, it's just the fact that creators will stop saying, you know, uh, no to, to brand deals because they're just doing it for the money. So I think there's a really happy medium. And, and the biggest mistake I, I see is just brands not being willing to trust creators um, and, and their ability to influence without being um, overly prescriptive and, and, and forcing every single thing to, to be 100% positive. Yeah. So you're telling me the independent creators who aren't employed are going to be bad at listening to instructions and brand voice and tone from these these other people. What? I know, it's shocking. It's and shocking, it's, right? It's, it's not from... Yeah. <laughs> like, the whole point of this is to leverage and work with them to let them, as you so simply put it, let them do their thing. You give them product, give them the money, let them be creative. Let them pr promote your brand more organically. Uh, one 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 comparison I want to point out is, you don't want all five star reviews. It just looks fake on your website. You gotta you gotta show off all the reviews. There's if, yeah. if all of you, if all your product is one and two stars, that's not them. That's not their fault. Like you gotta look at yourself at some point. No, it's it's such a good it's a, such a good point. And, you know, like for me, when I'm looking at reviews on websites, I'll only look at four stars. I'm like, look, everyone's going to have a bad experience. I don't want to see like the flowery, rosy stuff. Four stars, it's like they're going to tell me the, the truth. And there's like there's always something that could be better. Right. Uh, you know, what pe people and what we're doing are, are products. And, and that's so important. And, and I'd never thought about it. So I, I love the sort of the, the framework you've, you've shared with this. But, yeah, allow creators to share a four star review of your, your product as influencers because it's at the end of the day, it's the most compelling review that you that you could you could give, um, and and let creators figure out what are the aspects that they love, not what you think are the most important aspects, and and maybe it's the most important aspect to the average consumer, right? Your focus groups might have told you this, your research, that's fine. This is a creator, and they know how to connect with their audience better than you do. So let them talk about you know, the cuffs as opposed to the collar, right? Obviously a made up example, yeah. but w whatever they care about is what they should be talking about. Yes. So just like brands shouldn't give super uh, restrictive instructions, I think it's okay to guide them and maybe show them examples, uh, especially smaller creators. Maybe they're not as used to it. Um, what are your what are your what's your take on that on kind of teeing them up for success without being too prescriptive? Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. It's funny. One, one of the things that we love to do and, and we'll do every time is making sure we're having a phone conversation with these creators wherever possible. There are extreme kinds when, when that's not doable. But 
it shouldn't be the exception. You know, it should be the exception, not the not the norm. But what's funny is when 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 you're talking with them after they have the product, like they're just gonna t- kind of be talking with you like a uh, talking with you as they talk to a friend, and every once in a while, like d- during those conversations, you stop and say, "That's what you need to say to your audience because that's what you just told me." Right. And so it's kind of like because we'll, we'll go through and say, like, hey, this is what we generally see resonate. But really, we want you to, to do this. Like, what's what's your take? What's your point of view? And when they when, when they say those things like, oh, hang on, like that was you coming out and what, what you feel. So allowing allowing those creators to and again, get, taking the time. It's it's a time suck. But if you want it to be successful, you got to put in the work. But understand their true perceptions based upon like seeing, touching, feeling your, your product, assuming it's a physical product really does help and, and, and goes a long way. So sometimes you do need to kind of play the creator's words back to them and remind them that that, that was, that was really good stuff. Um, but that, that's a, that's a nice little, I guess, trick that, uh, that, that we've, we've seen be successful along the way. Great. It's like a dry run. It's like a test without telling them it's a test and like a, an example of like, Oh, this is what you should say we're going to have a phone call and we're going to tell you like you don't you guys don't say that it it just comes up more naturally that that's pretty neat that is a cool little trick yeah it's truly a creative brainstorm even yeah. though it might not yeah. be uh, labeled as such that's a good way to put it i like it so last thing i'll mention on on this is it takes time it's a time suck it's not just i clicked two more buttons and increased my budget by $400 in facebook yeah. it's like and I now I'm reaching more people and making more sales. It is not that simple, but if you're a smaller brand, you're bootstrapped, you're tapped out on Facebook. You don't know how to do it as effectively. You don't know, like you know, there's a million reasons why. Like this will take more time, but it could be a compounding thing to build that relationship with the creator versus building a relationship with Facebook's wallet <laughs> of paying, uh, just dumping the money there. So, yeah, I think it's such a good point. I mean, as as an early stage entrepreneur, you know, in the e-commerce, it's like everyone is hungry and wants to make things work. But at some point, like you can't continue to like tweak things and change things with your Facebook program, for instance. Like you kind of got to let it ride and let the algorithm do its thing. But the nice part about creators is like there's always more creators out there, you know, in in the in the year that we live in. There's there's other folks out there, and you can start to develop more relationships so when you're continuing to be hungry and want to do do more and more and more and and try to continue to evolve and and tweak your brand and you know get other feedback that's meaningful around how your branding resonates and what are the words to describe and create you can always do more with with respect to to creators and you know you can engage in their content make sure you're supporting their content because obviously that's going to make them like you even even more and i think that's one of the things that's maybe undervalued from uh from a emerging company perspective is that there's always value you can add with respect to to creators and that relationship and it may not always be linear right in terms of how how you can engage and spend that time and ultimately get returns from your business but if you continue to put good energy out and help those creators they're, they're going to help you it will 100 percent come back to you it's just not always intuitive or straightforward in terms of the mechanism for how how that happens yeah that and the roi like you mentioned in the beginning some of it is measurable some of its awareness some of its 
conversion, some of it's the consideration. But then you mentioned that which a lot of us uh, in the space really struggle with because we see the numbers, we see the numbers come out, we put the money in, we put the money out. We don't, we don't always see that. Yeah, there's still a missing piece uh, in terms of ROI, word of mouth, someone, someone making an in, uh, purchase without doing the vanity URL. There's or at the right code. There's all these unmeasurable things. So, uh, just wanted to reiterate that from the beginning. So now having talked about a bit of background on influencer and starting and scaling and how to measure, what are three, uh, actionable things that you could tell 10 brand owners and it would apply to most of them that they could yeah. do, they could listen to this episode and like, okay, I jot, jot this down and go do it tomorrow morning. <laughs> Right. Yeah. For, first thing I do is say, yeah, r r stress test your um, your your you know, customer persona with real live people that are that are creators. So if you know if you know who your customer is, then go identify those ten people on on a on a platform that, that are small, and in and engage with them on behalf of your brand, and and see if they're willing to give you at a minimum feedback or test out your your product. Or potentially, you know, share share some content around your your product. So so first thing is like just you know going back to that rocking your your, your car out of the snow thing. Like let, let's just double check and make sure that your product really does connect with the customer that you think so. Because because creators are also great you know beta beta testers as as well on 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 products and product market fit. So that would be that would be tip number one that that I would I would have. Um, tip number number two would be to try to start, you know, to, to scale what it is that you've you've done to, to date. And, and that might mean going up with bigger creators and, and being willing to, to pay them a, a little bit more um, for, for them to, to, to create content because there's there's for sure scale there. Or it might mean to, to extend the number of, of creators that that you're you're working with. I think that's something that's you know, really important. And then the, the third piece that, that I would do is to really find ways that you can start to um, give some uh, juice to those earlier stage creators on on your page, do, do a Q&A with them, right? Because if this is a customer that's in your core demo, that's content that's searchable on your website. And, and it also is something that they're probably gonna be pretty excited with doing. And so do, do a Q&A and guess what? If you've taken the time to get to know these customers, a lot of times you're gonna get better content if you do the A for them first, and then you send it to them and be like, listen, change absolutely anything. Like, in fact, it's better if you do, but I wanted you to like get a general sense of how, how this works um, and then let them do their, do their thing. I've just found that with respect to writing stuff, like uh, pe people generally really appreciate uh, appreciate that and I, I never want to put words in someone's mouth but also like people love being able to like be given some directions with with some bullets uh, or, or whatever first so the, the, those I think would be the three things that, that I would do um, you know somewhat dependent on the, the stage you are with creators but um, it's it's gonna really help you to understand you know product market fit start to scale it out a little bit and then develop content that will continue to to pay dividends and you know, weeks and months and, and years on, on your site. And also it's going to help the, the creator as well. Sweet. Yeah. Those three things 
just start test uh scale either more followers or more smaller creators uh yeah and then the the third thing what What's your third point? Con- content on the website with a, with yeah. a, with a Q yeah. Q and A blog. Yeah, the collaboration, the the integration. Yep. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So those are those are great, and I think, like you said, most brands could probably start doing that tomorrow. It's not a huge lift to oh, I'm gonna go look at the influencer software and demo and like do all this stuff. It's like no, let's just get started. Uh, I like that. So where? <laughs> This is a personal question. Uh, do in, do brands and influencers like? It's almost Black Friday. I mentioned it already, but do we do things for specific events like that, or is it just like ev- mostly evergreen, like throughout the year? Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, yeah. But I, I think there's influencer from my from my POV is clearly. A, a marketing channel that's evergreen, right? So you, you might have you know paid social, you have paid paid search. Maybe you, you have some programmatic buys, banner ads, whatever else. And in, influencer marketing is a line item at the Outloud Group. We work with a ton of brands that are doing that every single month, right? We've got an influencer budget that we're we're um, we're turning and burning with. But also, you know, it, it influencer content's great for for specific events, and and of course. You know, Black Friday is a, a great idea, and you know, we you could ruminate for a long time on you know different creative approaches too. But you could also try to ask some of the creators that you're working with, or get, give them some some small dollars and say like, "Hey, will you please create a piece of content for us for for Black Friday?" Like, you can do whatever you want, or sometimes you can say, well, "You can do whatever you want," and we truly mean that. But also, like, here's an idea or, or two that we've been kicking around because a lot of times people like to be able to give like have a little bit of a nudge to know they're in the in the ballpark and then they can they can you know snowball it and make it bigger and better and have it be going faster and and stronger with all the superlatives there so um yeah i I think engaging with creators for you know uh black friday cyber monday is is a fan fantastic uh, uh approach and something that is very timely for today yeah and if you're really picking the right creators and you found that audience and that fit. I even think like uh, potentially an exclusive Q and A with them, or like as a bo- special like free gift with purchase. Like if you have the right creator and the right audience, oh, but take our special that this creator was just promoting, and next week we're gonna all talk to them exclusively in a private Zoom. And it's like yeah. you know it could be like you know you can get creative. It's not just here's product, give us content, move on. For sure, the creator could do a giveaway, and they could announce the winner on an, an IG live, for for instance, for for the brand, w- w- whatever the case may be. And there's there's a lot of things that you could you could do. So I, I love where your your head's at, and I think for anyone out there, it's like yeah, get get creative and 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 see what the the influencers think. Like they might have some fun out of the box ideas, and let let them test it. I mean, even if you you aren't sold on the the idea, I mean, if you're talking about a very low budget or no budget. You know, or just product. You know, you take take some risks. By by all means, take some some risks early on. Yeah, you're over, a lot of us. Uh, a lot of brands are probably already taking risks and spending money on Facebook and Google and all this stuff. It doesn't really come back. It doesn't come back sometimes, and it just goes into the machine. Uh, so take some risks. Okay. Uh, 
we've mentioned uh, content and creative and paid social a lot with influencer. And even talking about the website, we did you did touch on that. What? How can I use influencer content or messaging or quotes in email and SMS and these other channels to repurpose it to get more life out of it? Yeah, one of the fun things you can do is just ask ask creators, particularly if you're doing influencer paid social, you, you know, to the creator's audience, you could direct them to a particular you know landing page for you for you, and then collect collect their e everyone's email address on that landing page and then you can obviously send more more targeted e emails which is which is great um we, we've done some work you know, on, at muskox with a uh, with a pretty big cr creator um and so we'll we'll always reference what his, his matt character is his name is huge on you know demolition ranch off the off the ranch and his his followers are called the demolitia and so we'll we'll advertise some stuff as like hey demolitia approved so when you're when you're doing that right away and sending it to an audience like okay these these guys know the language that we speak it's not hello demolition demolition ranch fans you know something that's to <laughs> yeah. totally generic you, you're actually using insider link lingo which can be you know very valuable and when it comes to email subject lines and so forth. And like, you know, a lot of this, you just got to continue to be scrappy because even if you don't have a ton of email addresses from those creators, you're, you're still going to have more success when you, when you tailor it and, and include that photography or you include that, that lingo. And, and look, there's no shortcuts with this. In fact, what I'm, what I'm sharing is more work, uh, but it, it does work. Um, it, it just, you know, requires elbow grease and, as, as anyone listening to this podcast knows, it is hard as hell to start and to run a business. Um, and and you, you've, you've entered into an undertaking that is, is not for the faint of heart. So when you have something that, that works, I, I find that super satisfying. And I don't care how, how long it takes to do it. If I, if I have confidence that something's going to work, then, man, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on putting the time, energy, and, and effort into it. So I, I think this is a channel that can pay those dividends but it's going to take some elbow grease to get there. Yeah, yeah. It's not, like I said, not the two-button click, increase the budget, and go on with your day. It's a lot more manual. It's relationship building. It takes time. It takes effort, like you said. I'm going to start landing the plane here and begin our descent uh, towards the end of this podcast. So I wanted to wrap up with a couple, a couple pretty obvious questions and one kind of a uh, little goofball one not to throw you off too much but what when do i as a brand owner when do i end a relationship with a creator what things come up what factors what variables um they're they're late on their asset turning in they're increasing their rates too much they're just not embodying they're not a good fit anymore what what are some of these signs that should tell me to transition away from a creator yeah i mean tr trust your gut first and foremost is that if i mean time is the most valuable commodity that we have and and if a, a specific creator is turning into a pain in the ass then then don't do it unless they're a fantastic performer right i mean there are fan working with creators all the time there are creators who are fantastic but they're they're snowflakes they're precious whatever you know word we want to use to describe them and sometimes the juice is worth the squeeze but but you you need to be able to see you know especially early on in your business like hey if you're not if you're not seeing re return on on something don't don't hesitate to 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 move on i i think you'll know when it's a good 
creator and in your gut if you're in it and and i think sometimes you need to trust your gut and let the numbers play out over over a period of of months uh so if someone is is really into your brand and they're putting out good content you know i i would be more patient with that with that person um, they're probably going to you know be willing to go above and beyond they're probably willing to continue to extend extend the relationship you know even if there's no no dollars in, involved and, and i would let that keep keep going but you know certainly you know d- your brand's going to evolve and, and that's okay i mean when you're talking about early stage brands it, it's not going to stay the exact same messaging and your personas should change as your messaging does so d- don't hesitate to evolve in terms of who you're doing i mean of course you know be be transparent with the creators don't just leave them hanging don't not respond to them but i mean cr- creators are, are big boys and girls so do, don't hesitate to send them uh you know an, an email or a dm or however you're communicating with them or ideally a phone call and just be like hey here's here's the deal like we're still trying to figure this out um we think you are great you know and, and we, we just want to take a different direction for for the brand and here's the reasons or if they weren't great i i would say don't be afraid to tell them that in a constructive way just yeah. to be to be above board about hey you know like we, we really like your content but you know, we just found that it wasn't as reliable and so then we weren't actually able to get the, the use out of it i find that like that people really appreciate like closing the loop and and feedback uh, and, and being willing to be direct and above board and again i think like that that comes back to you in spades over over time yeah okay so just just like you would an employee, a freelancer, contractor, just give them feedback and be honest with them and don't skirt around it. I see. Cool. Uh, yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. And, and don't be afraid to end it. It's it's not it's not a bad thing. Yeah, all, all good things come to an end eventually. Uh, even your favorite employees will end up leaving. Your favorite customers will end up churning. It's not like that's life. <laughs> things cut. Things start. Things end. Uh, just do it with grace yeah, well and said. do it. Yeah, do it before it gets worse and becomes detrimental to your brand. Um, okay, so last last question here, a little future thinking. What's What are some trends uh, based on the last year or two? Uh, now we've been in uh, pandemic and experienced lockdowns off and on. And so looking at 2022, what are, and, and beyond, what's what's some of the biggest difference you think we'll see give me kind of a, a prediction or or a guesstimate or something for us to look out for yeah so i, I think we'll continue to to one see the convergence of ugc influencer and paid social and we, we talked about that all, already we didn't use those terms but i expect that to continue to be heightened and us to be able to measure success of an influencer across all those different metrics i think that's a trend and then the, the second I, I would predict is short video continuing to, to rock out. And and obviously TikTok has had a meteoric rise that's that's boosted Instagram reels, but it's it's also boosted YouTube shorts, which I, I think is you know uh, not getting as, as much chatter as it as it deserves. And I and I think that's really gonna change over the course of the next you know, six to 12 months where I think YouTube shorts will be, you know, pretty significant piece of, of the puzzle. And, you know, pe- we all have short attention spans, right? So uh, pe- people like the, the short videos and uh, advertisers love being able to have a clickable link uh, as as part of it as as well. So that's, that's pretty powerful. And I, and I suspect 
we'll, we'll continue to see more power from the from the short videos uh, here in the near future yeah i think that's pretty neat um and good way for brands to keep thinking about oh i don't need to always do a big photo shoot in studio and all this stuff send out some product get some real shots and get some real videos um from the creators and influencers and your customers uh sometimes they can tell it and share it and show it better than you can um so i, I love that i think that short yeah short term the short video i love i love it uh brad thanks so much for your time this 45 48 minutes just flew right on by we're we're full descent the plane has landed brad where can people find you if they want to reach out about Outloud group learn purchase a flannel just talk to you about influencer stuff Ha, well, thanks. Thanks, Matt. Ton of fun. Always love to, to talk shop um, and, and happy to talk shop with anyone else who, who wants to. Uh, you can check us out at outloudgroup.com. You can email me, brad at outloudgroup.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Behoos and Go Muskox is uh, our men's outdoor apparel brand. You know, Muskox is our name. Go Muskox is our, is our website. Um, and Go Muskox is all of, our, all of our social handles there as well. If you're looking for that perfect flannel this, this fall, we, we, we've got you. Love it. Go Muskox. Out Loud Group. Be who's. Brad, thanks again for your time. Really appreciate it. Everyone else, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode.